Well, it's a great pleasure to be here with Greg Cook, the executive chairman and co-founder, if I got that right, yeah, it is of Stone Brewing. Yes. Welcome to Toronto, Greg. Thank and you. It's, thanks for taking the time. It's awesome to be here. Okay. Yes. Um, Can also, we curse on this show, by the way? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, explicit. Uh, the, the, the E is clear in my um, okay. iTunes profile, okay. so it's all good. Now, I was just about to uh, throw down a gratuitous one, but I'm going to hold back. Okay. Uh, don't feel like you need to restrict uh, yourself during this No, it'll be in podcast. context rather than simply gratuitous. Okay, great. Um, I also like to point out that we're here with Jason Fisher, good friend of mine, good friend of the show from Indie Ale House. Um, Thank you for having yes. me. Uh, and uh, consummate host. Oh, yeah. You go by his place, he fills you full of tasty food and beer. Well, that was going to be my first question. Is I like that, those uh, kind of people. Uh, how has your visit to Toronto been so far? It's been fairly short thus far, but... Yes. Uh, what have you done uh, in this uh, well, while you've been I, here? I got, so I got in uh, with my lovely spouse, Sarah, who's sitting right here. We had our sixth anniversary uh, together yesterday on Sunday. Oh, amazing. Congratulations. And, uh, but we got in Saturday night late, uh, hooked up with our good uh, friend, uh, Luc LaFontaine, yeah. um, who I've, I first met in Japan in 2008. We've been friends since. And he... Um, we had dinner with him, and then he showed us his new place, Godspeed. Yeah. And and then uh, on Sunday, uh, Sarah and I uh, tooled around the town a little bit. You know, took it pretty easy and uh, did a little harbor, a uh, little boating excursion. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, and then went to uh, uh, People's Eatery for a okay. fucking fantastically <laughs> incredible dinner. And that was not gratuitous. That was required in order to have the emphasis there on that syllable of, you know, yeah. Of how great it was. Yeah, it was was really some kind of awesome dinner, and it was perfect. Great. Um, And thankfully, you've come on uh, during our our nice season. Yes. So the the month. The the, the weather's been um, awesome, except for today. (laughs) No, it's just, you know, warm and still. Yes. But, uh, and then this afternoon, I, I went over to Indy Ale House and uh, helped them move some malt around. Greg helped us unload a truck. Heard about that? That's uh, a little little free labor? We put that back in it was, No, it was, I don't think it was free labor. I think um, <laughs> I had to sink for my supper, so to speak. Right. I got an incredible lunch. Greg, hey, Greg, um, you know, uh, we're going to uh, make some lunch for you. Okay, fantastic. You know, what should I have? Well, you should probably have the fried chicken. Okay, internal voice. Yeah, I'm not really sure I want fried chicken, but okay, that's what you think I should have. Word to the wise, get the fried chicken. <laughs> it was incredible. It is good. Incroyable. The fried chicken alehouse. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Um, okay, well, I wanted to talk about beer so for a little now bit. I'm not going to eat for two more days. I know, well, you, you, you mentioned you were jet-lagged, but I feel like it might have been because of the fried chicken as well. <laughs> uh, well, it's a one-two punch. Double effect. Yes, yes. Yeah. Two okay. punch and calm down. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm not such a lightweight. I can take it. Throw me another one. Absolutely. Um, okay, so... Let's talk about beer. We're drinking beer. Okay. Um, I like beer. We're here in Ontario, a market that you're fairly new to as a company. Um, you've been around for over 20 years, but only in Ontario for the last, I'd say, two or so full time. Mm-hmm. Um, how's Ontario been as a market for you um, for Stone? Well, um, 
Every market is awesome. I mean, you know, clearly Ontario, and this is really just reflecting back what I've been told over the last couple of days. You know, it's pretty universal statements of, hey, uh, there wasn't a lot going on a couple of years back, but now yeah. there's a lot of energy, and that's phenomenal. And we're just glad to be a part of that energy, bringing that energy to the people, saying, hey, pay attention to this thing, this awesome thing called craft beer, because it's worth your time, right? This universal message we send. I'm getting a nod over here from my, <laughs> yeah, my Absolutely. interview mate. There we go. I mean, Greg was one of my heroes. No one loved doing what he did more, and I'm like, I want to do that. I want to feel that way. Well, I was reading. I mean, I was I was on your say reading the history that I I knew, but I wanted to refresh my memory. And I I, I was looking back and like the fact that you were doing this since '96. Like I was still in university back then. <laughs> like, you know what it was back then. And I was drinking beer. I was looking for beer back then. It was not easy up here. Yeah. The fact that that was something Maybe that you've been on on the cutting edge of for that long is incredible. Yeah, well, it wasn't easy back, you know, when we started. But, you yeah. know, I would I was that guy who you regretted instantly or quickly sitting next to at the bar um, in '91. You know, because <laughs> I just wanted to talk about craft beer. I, I, we didn't even call it craft beer back then. We called it micro. It's called micro micro brews. And um, but I would talk to you about. Um, you know, a Belgian beer or something else, and you know, hey, look at this. Uh, many years later, I'm still that guy. Yeah. <laughs> guy that most people are just like, oh, geez, who does it now next to? Uh, kind of carrying on a bit. Yeah. Well, it's all good. Um, I uh, so I know that you landed from Berlin. That's what I heard from yeah, when you got here, um, and. I, 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 I have to be honest, I didn't realize that the thought was in your head about Europe way back in 09, according to what I was reading. That's correct. And, but it came to fruition a couple of years ago. How is, how, how is that going? Because it seems like such an amazing thing that you've taken the, the, the Stone World Bistro, which I've had such a great time at, and, and brought it to, to Berlin. Um, How's that, how's that entire experience been, and how is it going for Stone over there? It has and continues to be fascinating. Yes. <laughs> that is such the polite way to say it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a many-year process to, you know, the, the old saying, uh, the pioneers, pioneers get the arrows, right? Yes. And uh, yeah. we have found out the hard way that... Um, you know, it's just, it's complex, uh, being the first American craft brewer to build own and operate a brewery in, you know, uh, in Europe. Yeah. Uh, after searching more than 130 sites in nine countries, we settled on this beautiful piece of property in Berlin. It's a historic, uh, 1901 gasworks building, iconic looking, and we were able to, you know, why? Because I wanted to create this special destination level restaurant, our stone brewing will be Stone Gardens Berlin. And uh, also, we needed enough room to build a production brewery. Uh, now, after just uh, just under a year of operations, or about a year of operations, uh, we're now the the widest distributed Berlin brewed beer in the world. Um, wow! We're distributing to 24 countries throughout Europe and Eastern Europe. Um, and uh, you know, we're we're helping reintroduce brewing to Berlin. Yeah which nobody thought they needed or wanted. Yeah. But the truth is it had dwindled down to almost nothing, and it was industrial beer. You know, yeah. I mean, the, 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 
big beer that people drink when they're in Berlin. It's uh, you know owned by a frozen pizza company. Yeah, li- li- yeah. literally. Yeah. yeah, it's owned by a frozen pizza company. Now I take it that I mean you you probably do this with most of your beers anyway, but being a brewery in Berlin, you have to conform to the purity laws. No, that's a bunch of hogwash. Is it? Conform. Because I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just... I don't know that word. Do I have a reputation? What does that mean? Two podcasts ago, I interviewed the head brewer of Braufaktum from Frankfurt. Yes. And... It was still a very... Which is, by the way, owned by a frozen pizza company. Yes. The very same frozen pizza yes, company. Yes, same one. That's why I brought it up, because it sort of struck a struck a small memory there, as you, as you said it. And it seems to be something that is still a, still something that is a hot topic over there. But I'm not sure if that is something that... So what exactly? You mean like... The, the, the purity laws the for your beers. The so-called Reinheitsgebot? Yeah, yeah. The one that doesn't mention yeast? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's the one that, that, that basically, and, and trust me, it's the most. It's probably the most misunderstood thing about beer amongst Germans and oh, non-Germans. Uh, it, the first time the word the Reinheitsgebot was on a beer label is 1951. It's a recent yeah. modern day era reinvention uh, as a marketing tool of a historic tax and protectionist law. Yeah. So it really didn't have to do with the so-called purity, yeah, purity. That, is, that, that is imagined, you know, the, the, today. And also, it uh, then was uh, outlawed in uh, when when uh, the EU was formed. Right. So yeah. it hasn't been a quote-unquote law for. <laughs> so, anyways. Anyway. And oh, by the way, most yeah. of the beers we produce would qualify. Yeah. Well, of course. So. You know, uh, we, we, we brew beers that qualify for the Rheinheskabolt, but we do not brew to the Rheinheskabolt. No. Okay. Right. Do you brew any beers just for the German market, beers that couldn't get anywhere else? Uh, we have the Stone Berliner Weisse right now that uh, we're brewing in, in Berlin, and, and it's uh, not available in the U.S. At, at this time, and it's beautiful. I'm, I'm such, I'm so in love with our Berliner Weisse. Yeah. And it's a true legit one, right? Because it's actually a, an appellation. It's a protected right. uh, in in Europe, right? So Canada and the U.S. Uh, don't subscribe to this thing. So you can make and label a, a Berliner Weiss, a Berliner Weiss in these countries, but mm-hmm. you cannot make legally. You cannot make a Berliner Weiss in any country anywhere else. Yeah. or anywhere else. The other side of the Rhine. I think it's got to be on no, that no, side. No, no. Uh, Right. Well, the Rhine's actually not too close to but it has Berlin. To be, you can't no, you have to make it with in Berlin. No, in Berlin, in the, in the city confines. The, the nice, nice. Um, okay, well, let's come back to this side of the Atlantic. Sure, okay. um, and I know recently um, you started rolling off of your new brewery in Richmond. Um, how is? Oh, wait, wait, let me before we do that. I want to sure. just ask you a question. How many Please. people in um, in uh, the city? Well, so there's about well, more or less. Just give a three million number. in the city of Toronto, probably six million in the greater area. Okay, uh, two million. Uh, so in Berlin, there are more than three million. How many uh, craft breweries are in uh, maybe just this, the, the the two million part, the, the main part of the city? That's a uh, tough just, one. Just throw a dart. Uh, probably forty-five. Yeah, I'd say forty-five. 45 50? How many do you think in Berlin today? Hundred. Fifteen. Fifteen. 
Go back five years ago, it would have been five. So much for all the Berlin breweries, or yeah. the German breweries I keep hearing about. Yeah, 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 that's, that's kind of my, you know, so, and how many beer bars do you have within the city limits? I mean, it's got to be uh, what, 100, more than that? No. Oh, it's lower, lower. We, okay. we have more breweries than beer bars, I'd say. Okay, so you're still low on beer bars. Still low on beer bars. Uh, throw out a number. 20. 20? Yeah. yeah, ones that would be comparable to the types Not that you're used to. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so, well, in Berlin, there's uh, less than 15 bars or restaurants with 10 or more taps. Wow. That was in a more than ago. 3 million uh, city. Wow. So, they just, uh, it's, yeah, perception and reality. So, it's not really that much of a beer city yet. Or, no, Berlin is not a beer city at all. Yeah. And, and most people are quite dismissive yeah. of the idea. I mean, so, Germany is... Um, it's the cheapest beer market in, in all of uh, Europe. So, you know, this would, most people would go, oh, that's awesome, you mean cheap beer, woo, yeah. right? But the challenge, of course, the, what you get, what do you get when you have cheap beer? Yeah, you get cheap, 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 beer. cheap beer. Cheap beer, right? Cheap beer cheap is beer. not an attribute. Yeah. No. It's not an attribute. No, well, I mean, it's funny because I, I've, I've only been to Germany once and I went to Cologne and Frankfurt Frankfurt is not a beer city at all. There's nope. nothing there. Yep. Um, Cologne and, had. And Cologne is a one horse one beer, town. It's a one beer city. Or, or, or yeah. it's a same. There's seven horses, but they're all yeah, the same. Yeah, a style <laughs> city. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's been somewhere that I've been want, meaning to go back to to check out. So you see what it's like. Place, yeah, it's a challenging place. Yeah, it's a challenging place. And people get mad at me when I tell them That's facts. The so they're simple facts, right? Yeah. They do the statistics. And people get very upset. A lot of Americans get very upset. No, no, it's okay. The truth is, it's all right. Truth is okay. It's okay to know. It wasn't me that created this reality. I'm actually helping take it the other direction. (laughs) So, in some ways, you're sort of—it's like history is repeating itself. You are—you're—you're—you're fighting this battle again in Europe that you did well years ago. When it comes to beer in America, it's amazing in that um, we think about it. So there's. Uh, about uh, 15 breweries in Berlin, uh, 13 of which are focused on American craft beer styles, by the way. Okay. And, yeah. Um, and there's about 15, less than 15 bars and restaurants that have 10 or more taps. And when we opened up in San Diego, San Diego 21 years ago, there were about 15 bars or restaurants that had 10 or more taps. Yeah. And we were about the 15th row to open. Okay. Today, we have more than 1,000 pubs and restaurants yeah. with 10 or more taps. Yeah. And there's about 130 breweries in San Diego. So, you know, that gives a hint of the possible future yeah. of the return to, to choice, variety, availability, and, and just this natural acceptance that beer, yes, beer is a part of our lives. It's a part of our culture. Yeah. And, uh, and whether it's, uh, you know, beer styles like we make or other beer styles, hey, you know, pick your poison. That's great. You know, I, all I believe in is choice. Yeah. That's yeah. all I fight for is choice. Yeah, choice is the killer app for beer, right? Yeah, uh, I love that. Phrase. Good yeah, choice, good beer. It would be great. Because if I if I make a beer that you don't choose, I lose based on the merits of the beer I make. Not mm-hmm. marketing, not deals, yeah. not black magic. Yeah. Like me, don't like me, but this is what we do. It's all deals and black magic, of course, in so Europe. A lot of because black magic there's, there's um, you know, you can pay, you know, big breweries pay restaurants and bars pizza to... Pizza the pizza yeah, company. Yeah, frozen pizza, frozen pizza. Pay restaurants to, to solely stock their beer. Yeah. 
Sounds well, familiar. It's very limited. to strip the consumer of choice and make the consumer the commodity and not the product, right? Which is garbage. Yeah. It's the opposite. Which is the opposite of free will right. and free choice. Yeah. And what we, I believe, and, you know, we, we all believe that, you know, you deserve. Mm. I think you deserve yeah. the choice. That's the best thing to have in life is a choice. Yeah. And of course, it was a great Canadian who once said, "If you, you choose <laughs> not to decide, right, you still have made a choice." Nice. The musician. Yeah. <laughs> so, in you. Thank you, Neil. Okay. <laughs> so is is that? So, you, is your role right now within Stone a lot of? European development is, is that is, are you spending a lot of time over there right now is your sort of primary goals or um, so the, the fortunate thing with you know, the world way the world works today I can you know uh, help forward all of the things that we're doing in in the US even though I might physically be in Berlin at that moment sure and Berlin is still uh, sort of the the needy child of our and I don't mean that I don't, that maybe doesn't sound right but it's a child that it needs the most guidance, sure. right? Yeah, it needs the most nurture, nurturing. Yeah. yeah. Where Richmond uh, that we got fired up last year, uh, you know, just didn't need the nurturing it part very much. It went needs, on all stoners. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, from the get go. We fired it up, and, yeah. and it was, you know, started cranking along. Yeah. Because um, it's not it was not a cultural shock. No. To, to, it's you know, kind of people a, on the East Coast. They may have may have had more than ten beer bars yeah. when you started. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, it's not a cultural shock in Germany. It's not a cultural shock yeah. in, Ger- in Berlin. It's mostly just ignored. Yeah. Yeah, they, they don't pay any attention. And the ones who, oh, I got to tell you a story, if you don't mind. Sure, go for hey, it. I know I keep bringing it back. We just got in from Berlin. So I know, it's fresh, fresh in your mind. mind. Yeah. So, but this is a, a story from last summer. So, um, we have a restaurant there, a destination restaurant, 800 seats inside and out. You know, it's... Wow. Sprawling and high design. It's a destination. You, you know, people make go out of the way to go there. Well, Nico was actually a neighborhood guy. Um, I was there last summer, and I, I was standing. And I saw this guy walking through the gardens, uh, uh, coming directly towards me. Probably about seventy-five German guy. And he comes up to me and he says, "I understand you are the owner here." And uh, yeah. I said, uh, yes, hi, I'm, I'm Craig. Uh, how can I help you? And he said, I have something I want to tell you. Okay. Uh, what is that, sir? Your beer tastes like I used to remember. Thank you. <laughs> and he clapped me on the shoulder. And it was the most fucking nice. awesome Amazing. thing ever. <laughs> I found out he was drinking Stone IPA. And, of course, I know that he didn't mean that the beer he used to drink tasted like Stone yeah. IPA, but the beer that he used to drink had more... More flavor, more, more to it. Less yeah. corn, more body. Yeah. Uh, less oh, they're pizza. not using corn over there, but they're less... But they're using... They were, statistically, they were using more hops than they are today. They're using longer fermentation times than they are today. They're, you know, they're just using... Less light lagers and more full-bodied beers. Yeah, more, more robust. Yeah. Like, um, that's my favorite story to tell. That's amazing. Plus, I get to use my my, my German I accent. Use your German it's hard voice. To bring that out. <laughs> well, you know what? When like it is great when somebody like just comes out of nowhere and just says that kind of thing to you. Like he has no idea. Probably didn't know who you were. Had no idea about. Maybe he knew your history. Maybe he didn't. But just yeah. the genuine kind of 
compliments are always yeah. nice to receive, no matter when they come. Oh, it's great. Yeah, I mean, I was there in this past week. Another guy, just old, probably also in the, you know, in the 70s. And, yeah. Uh, I got introduced a short conversation with him with a small group of other gentlemen that were probably in the same age range. And, uh, yeah, I found out he's been, you know, some 20-some times. He's like, I bring every, I bring everybody I know. You know? That's amazing. I don't know what accent that was. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I was just trying not it's to do the exact same one I just yeah. did. <laughs> a small part of Berlin known as yeah. I'm so, the jet Maybe that. he had a couple of Imperial Stouts at that time. I have no idea what that accent was. <laughs> um, so I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I... I you like, mean I'm talking too much? That's no, fair no, no. I no. That, no, I, I understand how to I, read no, between no, no, the lines. No, no, no. I want to be respectful of uh, your schedule. But I do want to bring it back home, and uh, and you mentioned um, you mentioned SD now with thousand bars, the hundred and change breweries. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of San Diego, but of course it is a long way from here for us to get there. We can't go all the time, but we try to go as often as we can. I've been to the Escondido Brewery. I've been to the um, the brewery brewery at um, Liberty, Station. Liberty Station. Did you have a good time? Love it. Loved it. Loved both. Thank you. All all. Experiences we there to, have when been. When the CBC was out there, we got a tour before it opened. Yeah, and they got, like, yeah. When the CBC was there, we there. went when it was just a shell. Yeah, I've been back multiple times with um, friends, 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 friends and girlfriends. Yeah. Um, uh, such a great place. Uh, one of my podcasts last year was with Jill Davidson of the Brewers Guild. She's now the president. Um, I was the first president. You were the first president. I know. That's why I wanted to drop that in but I'd love to hear what your take on the San Diego scene is just as a beer fan of San Diego but living up here what it's like it's like there nowadays from your perspective what can we look forward to yes. oh my well I think we're seeing it in so many places um, and we're seeing it in a lot of countries in Europe and a lot of cities Italy um, is the case you know they, my Italian crapper friends they're all saying they shake their heads slowly and just look wide eyed and they're like we have too many breweries right now. There's been such a boom everywhere. Yeah. And um, so it's, uh, you know, there's a bit of an irrational exuberance. And I used that, was using that term five years ago. Yeah. And it's only gotten more irrational and more exuberant. Um, so I, I'm a little, uh, I, I'm full of some cautionary feelings these right. days. It's, you know, it's wonderful. For the consumer, it's never been a more wonderful time. And you could say that, I could say that every single day, knowing it to be true, that today is the most wonderful time for beer in the yeah. history of the world. We're at the peak. Where tomorrow will be the most tomorrow's wonderful. Tomorrow the peak. Yeah, again. Well, I don't know when the peak is coming, but there will be a peak. And yeah. I think it will... But, the, the, you know, it's a correction in the market is going to come. It's just natural. But in 2009, you were on stage in Boston talking about... 10% market share or that session had that, that notion there no no so Kim Jordan talked about 10% I talked about 20%, 20%. years before that in San Diego we're I talked about that soon yes yes so is there a number that scares or just the proliferation without a foundation well, well it's you know so the, the big guys are getting in and I'm I have to admit I will just fully you know own up that I am disappointed to my core that a lot of consumers essentially say with their wallets, I don't care who owns the brewery. 
Right? Yeah. That that's a that's a terrible fight going on here right now, and yeah. I may be the only guy who cares. Okay, that's certainly you're not the only one, brother. Yeah. I'm right here, I'm tapping you on the yeah. shoulder. <laughs> but and, yeah, it's I say it's the only commodity, only consumer commodity that you can go from one of the world's worst examples to one of the world's best examples for two dollars. Yeah. You can't do that with chocolate. You can't do that with your car or your house or your clothes. With the beer, you can. You can. Yeah, but the, well, you know the big guys are buying the you know some and then they're up, obfuscation. Buying up hops, buying, yeah. taking yeah. over. Yep. And yep. they're other basically cock blocking. Yeah. You know, true crap brewers from access to the marketplace, yep. which is what they've done here. They own the distribution. They own mm -hmm. every venue. Right. They own every well, yeah. bar. Well, yeah, but most Ontario. consumers here yeah. either don't know or no one don't care, and it's hard to pick which is worse. Yeah. Well, because it's tough in Ontario because the the retail environments are either controlled by the big brewers or the government. So you need to and either the big get brewers are the biggest lobbyists of government. <laughs> so you so. need to get in bed with either one of those, which is not yeah. great. But I'm pretty careful about who I get in bed with. Yeah, Lots. as you should be. Yeah. yeah. As we say this while your spouse is sitting right next to us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll give her a wink right now. Wisdom. <laughs> I didn't wink, actually. I, I, I did that thing with my eyebrows. That works. Yeah. On radio, it's great. And um, she's now shaking her head and covering her face with her hands. <laughs> um, which is pretty much standard. Yeah, yeah, I'm used to it. That's okay. Uh, but I'd love to ask you just one last question about yourself. So what's, what's okay. next for Stone? What's coming up? Anything? I mean, nothing, I like nothing confidential, uh, but anything that people can expect i know the hotel is, is always is a, percola yeah, percola a percolating that thing that that i was on, i was i was reading about today that seems like it's seems like it's a go but on again, off again. Um, you know any, anything that people can uh what would they what would you What's the what can screw? people expect well, yeah. so, if they so, plan hey, a trip to san so diego basically what you're saying is hey greg you just opened, uh, you know, a big new uh, production brewery in uh, Richmond, Virginia last year, and you're the first ever, you know, American craft brewer to build own and operate their own brewery in Europe with your Berlin operation, which opened Tesla's last year. Not far up the so coast. what's new? <laughs> what's, what's the latest Tesla's thing? Not up the coast, Mars breweries or a container being uh, How about? Well, we're actually, we're opening up in Napa later this year. We oh, have that's a great. 10,000 square foot historic 1877. Um, stone, no, just by chance, stone building. Great. Uh, and uh, we'll open up later this year. And then we're currently working on the Stone Brewing Will Be Stone Gardens, Richmond, which will be a 30,000 square feet with a foot with a two acre of gardens restaurant. Um, and it'll be really, really, really cool. Great. So people from Toronto can either go over the ocean, they can go straight south, or then go southwest and they'll find great stone wherever yeah. they go. We'll take good care of you. We'll, yeah. we'll, the only thing, look, I got I got one job. One job. And that's to make it when you visit, that you say to yourself, whether consciously or unconsciously, I'm glad I did that. I know that's my job. So we work really, really hard at that, making places that are you know, destination. That not, actually, I want to go a little bit beyond that. Not only that, am I glad I did that, Oh, I gotta, I gotta come back, or I gotta bring friends, or I gotta bring my family. I gotta, you know, that kind of reaction. That's yeah. what we work for, and we've been, uh, you know, blessed, blessed that we've been successful at kind of creating those kind of environments. Great. And then yeah. you want to do a well, podcast, and now you're trying to think of how to wa wrap it up. I can see. Uh, you, I'll, it's, I'll get another beer. You're, you're, we you're, can you're, keep going. You're, you're, I, I told you, I'm that guy. <laughs> no, I just, I never like, I never. 
want anybody to feel like I keep asking questions and then it just goes on well, and on. Give me and on. a couple of beers and a little jet lag to kick in and it becomes Ramble City, baby. Okay, well then, let's get another beer. If you want to keep chatting, let's do so. So what else do you want to talk about? So what do you uh, think about the, um, the, the, the yeah. craft beer scene here? Um, you know, it's... it's I mean, so how, how about it's... The, what was it like? Because I've read a couple of your... A lot of your stuff. And I remember a story about when Stone started and you said, you know, we were looking... It was looking really bad and then this magical thing happened and it was spring and all of a sudden people bought beer and you, it, the world looked better. So back in that time when it was scary... There were a bunch of you. There was you and there were a few others starting up and getting it going. How did it go from scary to a hundred taps? I mean, that's 20 years. But at what point was the tipping point? Because for us, it's still scary. <laughs> well, forgive me, it's not scary. Because you were telling me earlier today that your problem is not getting customers in the door. Your problem is being able to... Sure. You know, make enough beer and make enough food. Indy's doing great. Right. But the industry is a little scary still here. So at a certain point in San Diego, it went from, there's some quirky guys out in, you know, industrial parks too. This is a thing in San Diego. Yeah. Well, so a quick uh, synopsis, you know, the history lesson in the United States. Previous peak of number of uh, breweries. 18 something. 1882 about, right? 3,000 plus. Uh, Then it started whittling away, Industrial Revolution, Consolidation. Prohibition didn't really do it. If you actually look at the chart, Prohibition did not do it because the um, trajectory, yes, it went down to zero, but it popped up, and and the line on a graph is, is as if Prohibition never existed. So consolidation and buying up because it was already down. No, it was so this was, imagine a line slanted downwards, right? And then all of a sudden it dips to zero and comes back up a few years later. But if it's a few years later, it's at the same point. It's at the so same the trajectory point, right? That right. it would have been. Oh yeah. If it hadn't had it kept to zero. going, yeah. yeah. So it was just on a downward slope. It was it, on a downward slope anyway. And it ended up in 1979 with just 42 breweries in the United States, which is insane to think about. Zero, right? A whole bunch of states had zero. Uh, I think that's entirely, yeah. Absolutely. Well, if there's only yes. 42, there's yeah. 50 states. And some states had multiple, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. Yeah, yeah that's good math right there. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, clearly no amongst uh, more smarter guys than I am. More smarter than, than I am. But right now, there's not a state that has, there's not a city that has zero, right? Like. Every oh, there's got to be something somewhere, but yeah, I think your 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 reasoning or your 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 thought process is solid in today's world. Yeah, everywhere's got one or got one. We have more than five thousand now. Right. Yeah, that's not the the case. Well, what we're seeing, but what I've seen in Toronto is the last couple years is this massive influx, almost too much, for what I think the market can bear because of the way we're set up here. Because there's only so many tap lines, there's only so much shelf space. Because we don't have private sales. So can, here. can you have? Um, can a brewery uh, buy purchase 
the tap lines in a pub or restaurant? <laughs> it is uh, technically not permitted, but it, it is a well-known strategy that happens. So 99. So okay. So functionally, all of the tap lines are controlled by uh, illegal under-the-table deals. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to lean into the microphone and say, "Hey, listeners, who's in control of this? You are." The public, well, knowingly or not, the public allows this kind of thing to happen. Vote with your of, dollar. Well, you gotta—that's true, but uh, it requires. A, here's the yeah, the, the, the challenge is that I I personally try to fight for a world which doesn't require special knowledge or insider knowledge. Sure. And the the challenge is, you, the listener, would have to have special knowledge to understand exactly how to vote for your dollar or vote with your dollar. That's the slowest and, change here right now, yeah. is that knowledge. Well, and it's reasonable because it's a complex world out there. Right. And um, so, so the, the thing is that the, the enforcement of reg existing regulations is not doing their job. Yeah, the laws are, are, the laws, some of the laws literally are more than 100 years old. They have not changed since the two big brewers wrote them right. 100 years ago. Yeah. And until but they wrote them with the people in mind, didn't they? Of course, they? yeah. It was written by a guy who raced horses, who started the beer store. Um, and they have been changed. I know that's charming. That's what they called it, too. Yeah. yeah. The beer store. The beer store. Beer store on it. Beer store. And, and you went in, it was gray, and it said beer store. Yeah. It used to be called Brewer's Retail. They've modernized to uh, call it the beer store. Simplified. <laughs> so the... The, the change that we need is, is in part education, but in part um, some guts to stand up to it. And that's tough. If you're opening a brewery now, you need a place to sell your beer, and there's a fear that if you... Piss off the wrong people. So there's high dis disincentive for the young brewers to raise their voice about the inequities and injustices in this system for fear of being ostracized. Or worse, like going bankrupt. If the LCBOs, if you build a big brewery, bigger than mine, and you need to move that beer, right. and they say, well, we're not going to take your beer, what do you do? You ship to Sweden? Like, you've got no choice. The Sweden have a monopoly there. But they'll buy your beer here. Um, the system belug it. They yeah. They, yeah. They ask for our beer all the time. And they'll pay more than the local government which is kind of nuts. But you have no real, they can they can say, sure, we'll take a couple skids of your beer, you ramp up production, and the next year, eh, we're not gonna take it. What do you do? Yeah, then you're screwed. You're, you're a little bit handcuffed. We're small, we can sell beer to our community, literally our neighborhood. But I was thinking more about the terms of bars and restaurants. Restaurants? And, and access to those. There's, there's two kind of weird phenomenons in, in Toronto that, and in Ontario as well, that will change high-end restaurants in Toronto, and there are some great restaurants. Don't view craft beer as as a good thing. They guide the cheapest beer possible. Wine they'll get from France. Champagne, yeah. sure. But beer, give me the cheapest beer you got, because there's, there's a prejudice against beer drinkers. You're not... I'm familiar you, with this. I've, I've watched your videos. Yeah. So this is 25 years ago to the States. So the best restaurants up and down Bay Street don't have a beer list other than lagers, light lagers, a couple European lagers. Maybe you can get a Belgian beer, but you certainly can't get a selection. They don't view it as a, a ingredient or a 
uh, a consumer choice. Yeah, it's really tough, and I think a lot of breweries that are starting out, their strategy is similar to yours, which is focus on selling yourself. The only way you can control your own destiny here is if you sell out of your own front door. Because otherwise you have to rely on government, or you have to rely on the big brewers who control the beer store. One of the laws in Ontario is if you have a manufacturing site, you can have your own retail store and not sell through the government. So I sell directly to a consumer. I keep that money, but I engage with that consumer and talk about the choices. Yeah. So imagine Stone World Bistro in Escondido if that was your only store. Right. That's what a lot of breweries in Ontario or in Toronto are doing right now. The they're, majority. They're just opening up that store and saying, come to us and buy our beer here. Cause, and you're not going to find it anywhere else. And I've seen that with some American breweries where they basically yeah, say, true. come out to us, we're wherever we are, and they try to develop that On as a, a channel. Less bitter subject. You know a lot more breweries than we do in the States. Are there, what are some of your favorite up and coming or places we should look for? New breweries, places, things you've tried? Oh, man, that does, it makes it so hard to pick question, from this, but, uh, you know. <laughs> We're all going to be traveling in the States in the next six months. Yeah. What should we look for? Oh, God. My mind is racing now. Any favorites? Don't do That's not nice. What was the last great beer you had in the States? Where, where were you before Berlin? Um, I, was, I was in San Diego. It was at home? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hi, who am I? Well, you know, society. Society is not a new story. They're 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 draft only in San Diego, and uh, yeah. they've been producing for maybe five years now. But they're continue continue to be one of the just real standout breweries, uh, making wonderful beers. Um, uh, 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 the, uh, no, I'm not going to go. Too many. That's yeah, okay. that's too it, many. That's just it. It's too many. And so, I can't keep... Here's the honest truth. I'll just own up to it. I can't keep track. Oh, we have, this joke, we, have the same, we, have, we have the same Three joke. Three years ago, I had tasted every beer in this province. Yeah. Today, yeah. I have tasted yeah. so few. I used to know province. every single beer that was yeah. available in Ontario. Okay, so I'm going to now confess further. Exactly. I used to feel like I was knowledgeable. Today, I don't. Yeah. Especially now that I spend time traveling, you know, not just to Berlin, but to Richmond as well. I, mean, I spend a lot of time out of San Diego... And you spend any time out of San Diego, you can't keep up with what's going on in San Diego. There's anymore. no way. There's yeah. no way. Yeah. What are some of the... So that was a very unfair question. No, it's okay. <laughs> That's my specialty. Yeah. Well, here's one that I wanted to ask. Is It's a bit more generic. Is Do you see any trends in beer in San Diego? Because often us up in Canada, we, we look to what's happening in the States to guide what's going to happen here. It's always been that way. The, the hot beers at the CBC tend to be the ones that the Canadians start to brew. Do you see anything emerging? I mean, fruit, fruit E, juicy type IPAs have certainly taken hold, and they've taken hold here too. Um, anything else you're seeing down there? I'm expecting uh, shorter and shorter feedback loop. Right? Yeah. You know, so as things, those trends start to pop up, they're going to see them reflected quicker. It's just going to come. Um, so I think of craft beer much like rock and roll, and, and the, you know initially it started and it was you know the Chuck Berries and the Elvis Presleys and you know and then the Beatles, but it still wasn't you know today we have seven major you know genres of metal, mm-hmm. and 
uh, and then you know subgenre after subgenre, and that's just one you know facet. So you, you're, I'm finding craft beer to be much the same in that you know, any particular bent, you you can really kind of chase that down. If you you know you want to talk about Brett. You're not just talking about Brett these days. You're talking about, okay, what strain of Brett? Yeah, exactly. The Brett and the particular your, barrel and the history yeah, of the barrel. Exactly, yeah. Uh, very. And with that's, but that's like rock and roll. So you're not, you know, let's talk about, okay, that guitar player used to play with then and then they did and then this style came out of that and then you yeah. know, his first album that was seminal just and evolves this is why, and mixes. And this is, and yeah, exactly. And I saw them then. Now they suck. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I saw them before when it they were really good. Is like <laughs> Um, great. Um, I only have one other question, and this was more curiosity, because I didn't know this until today, and this was my own fault for not realizing this, that Arrogant spun off as a separate entity. At least that was sort of what I yeah. kind of gathered from the from the. Um, so Arrogant Bastardale, yeah. yeah. So Arrogant Bastardale, uh, one of our you know seminal beers, definitely. Yeah. It's always had its own unique personality. And as Stone has grown and matured, we realized we didn't, you know, we didn't want to have that personality bleed over into right. Stone Brewery because we're actually extraordinarily. I mean, we, we have guest beers on tap at our brewery, and we distribute other breweries, you know, yeah. beers in Southern California, and we have a festival with and we with other guest breweries, and we do all these collaborations. And you come to our brewery, we want to welcome you with open arms. And yeah. you know, we're very not always we're very inclusive yeah. and big. You know, like come on in, yeah. you know, this kind of thing. And but on the other hand, we didn't want to tone down Eric sure. and Bastard, so it's really it's a Jekyll and Hyde, yeah. and just reflecting on that. So. Uh, allowing Arrogant Bastard to continue to flex its own voice while being a separate voice who said, okay, you now have your own brewery or your own, you know, label yeah. or whatever you want to call it, and it's Arrogant Brewing. Which is great. Because yeah. I went to the you website know, and I, yeah, I went to man. beers and I was like, what happened to Arrogant? Because yeah. it was gone from the navigation of the website. Oh, and yeah, then yeah. I did some searching, I'm like, oh. I get it. It, it hasn't just, gone. It, it's no. It's, it's, it's just still there. And its nothing has really yeah. changed. So it's just getting, from it. getting its own exactly. spotlight. Barrel right and double yeah. and the one we had today. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. And I really think of it as having its. You know, it, it is a. Uh, it, it's you know anthropomorphized from pretty much the beginning. It's got you mm-hmm. know it's an adamant object that has a strong personality. Oh yeah, it's so its own thing. Let it. Yeah. It was a beer you made for yourself. You didn't think anybody would like. Yes. That's amazing. Yes. That's most of our best. Great philosophy. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. All right. Anything else? That was outstanding. Okay. Well, Greg, I really appreciate you taking sort the time to chat. is anybody that listens all the way to the end here going to get? You know what they're <laughs> going to get? A free surprise. beer at Indie Ale House. Okay. So, uh, yeah. First one. First one. First, first, first listener. I listen to that. That comes, that says they listen to this all the way through. Skill testing question, you get a beer. Jay will get a beer. Done. Cage match with Jeff. Cage match with Jeff <laughs> and the uh, Canadian beer up, of the year, uh, Spinana Monkey. Hey, so. thanks for the great conversation. Much appreciated. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. Thank you very much.